This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor, joined by the whole crew, David, Brady, and Jordan. Today, we're going to be breaking down Georgia State's 45-31 loss to the ULM Warhawks, previewing a little bit of Georgia State hosting App State Saturday at Georgia State Stadium, uh, and then get down and break into a little basketball conversation. But let's start it off with the ULM breakdown. Dan Ellington left late in the first half with a what is being officially diagnosed as a knee sprain. Dan is not being ruled out for the year, um, but the timetable for his return is a little murky as of right now. Quad Sorry. Brown is your, is your starting quarterback for the time being. I think that's a win. Um, obviously, you never want to see a starting quarterback or and you know anybody go down. I think the fact that it seemed very apparent that it was a knee injury and you know the first reports say that he could potentially come back, I think that's definitely huge for Georgia State. I mean, you don't want to look too far ahead. Obviously, there's still a game to play on Saturday, but just the fact that we could still see number 13 playing for Georgia State, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, we don't know yet. Uh I think it's really more if we're going to, you know, split hairs which Let's split hairs. I think it's more that he hasn't been ruled out rather than the likelihood that he might play. Like, it, it seems like it's more just like they aren't ruling him out. But that's not nothing. Like, if he was done for the year for sure, because we've already seen this with a couple of different players, I think that that would have ruled out. I, I mean, I know that you play games to make sure that your opponent can't, you know, not prepare for Dan Ellington. But it seems like Coach Elliott has pretty much seeded that it's going to be Quad Brown on Saturday. So I think... That kind of goes away, and at that point, if that goes away, if Dan isn't going to play, he's probably going to say something. They're, they're going to let him go out on his terms and say, like, this has happened. So the fact that that hasn't happened, I think that that does say that whether it's the bowl game, whether it's whatever, I think the earliest we could see him is against Southern at the end of the year. And I think even that, if I was a betting man, I would say the next time we see Dan, if we see Dan, would be in a potential bowl game. All that being said, David hit it on the head. Like, there's still a game to be played on Saturday. And as of right now, we're rolling with Quad Brown. Um, what do we think about his performance in the second half of the OLM game? I have been talked off the ledge necessarily, um, but I think that there's, let's just say it'll be nice to see him, you know, getting those first team reps and probably working on some fundamental things um, because. Being thrown into the fire is never fun, and it definitely showed that a true freshman quarterback was being asked to do something that he has not done before. So I think See, the talent is there. So I, I you know, I, I don't want to say that, you know, getting 60 minutes of quad this week will look like that half, but I just can't say that that half was necessarily that great for his stock. See, I thought the same thing or something similar to the same thing as you. And then I rewatched the game and I, I, there was still, it still wasn't a totally crisp game, but given the grading on the uh, grading on the situation as for what it was, I think he handled the situation fine. There was one, you know, little, the snap was a little low and he just fumbled it. And there was maybe another throw where it was just, I think he maybe left the pocket too soon and shouldn't have given up on the play, but like, the things you get worried about when you see a freshman out there is just putting the ball in danger, 
not seeming up for the situation is, you know, letting seeming like the moment gets too big. And as far as that goes, I think that that didn't happen. It didn't seem like the moment was too big for him. David's right that there were some times where the throws were a little bit off because the fundamentals were a little off. Um, but I watched again and his stat line for passing read eight of 18, 80 yards. But I went back and looked and I charted each single pass and there were at least four four to six plays that you could at least say possibly weren't his fault that it wasn't a completion or that they definitely weren't his fault that it wasn't completion, be that a drop or be that good coverage by ULM, which we'll keep talking about, but ULM secondary played great. Um, But there's stuff to build on. There were definitely some parts of the route tree that he hit good throws on. I think that going forward, it's going to be about finding what he is comfortable in. But the other thing is, I think there might have been a worry when Dan went down that the offense would just totally sputter out and not do what it has done to date. But the run game stayed very effective in the second half. Uh, It's still there was one. The the one scoring drive in the second half was an eight play drive where all eight plays were runs and all eight runs by running backs. And you went down the field and scored a touchdown. Uh, I, I think that the fear that the offense is necessarily going to stop being effective without Dan. I think that that can at least be put aside. I think the passing offense will take some sort of hit, but if you're worried about that, I guess you're not really paying attention to the identity of this team, you know? And so I'll agree with you there. I think, you know, Georgia state broke the single game rushing record again on Saturday. They put up 414 rushing yards, which is, I mean, that's not bad. I, obviously, <laughs> you know, so we'll see. Obviously dress the quarterback first. It's a, it really, it's going to be a situation to monitor for the rest of the year. Cause it's going to affect some belt East aspirations going to affect win totals, but quad Brown wasn't the reason you lost Saturday. If you're going to do a power ranking of reasons you lost, he might not even be in the top three. Yeah, the defense was really, really bad. I almost feel like this is my fault because I definitely said that they looked good recently. And it wasn't even just that you were giving up yards and you were giving up big plays. It was how it was happening. There were some just total blown assignments, leaving guys open over the middle of the field. Uh, a lot of missed tackles, which hasn't been an issue for the defense in the last month. And so you just got behind the eight ball. And so having said all of that, you know, Dan leaves, impacts the game, could have been differently. Quad comes in. The defense hasn't played great. In the second half, it was 31-31 going into the fourth quarter. And you lost. You gave up last 14 points. You didn't win. So it was frustrating because... As we've highlighted, every opportunity Quad Brown could have come in and been the reason the team lost or whatever. But the reason why in the end it didn't get done is because of mistakes by not Quad Brown, you know, not the new guy. Uh, blocked field goal happens to take points off the board after Quad Brown leads you down the field. The offense got in field goal range, stalled out, blocked kick. That can't happen. A shanked punt only goes 22 yards. You could have really pinned ULM deep in that situation doesn't happen and then the last one after ulm takes the 38 31 lead first play of the next drive trey barnett takes the handoff goes 18 yards across midfield you're in business to tie it up again the next play trey fumbles ulm recovers and that's the last real chance you had at tying the game and 
it's not like that buries Trey's good season. Trey's been incredible for Georgia State this year. But when you have your starting quarterback go down, the other sides of the ball, the other players on offense have to pick up that backup instead of being contributors to the loss. And so that's kind of why the loss happened, in my opinion. It was just you needed to pick him up instead of adding to the problem. Yeah, it did seem like it snowballed a little bit. But I mean, that's what a week of coaching and, you know, that's what will separate what this team really is and what this team isn't at this point. You know, I think Dan could be back, but if he's not, then this is really the time where we see what these coaches are made of. So ultimately, considering what we saw on Saturday, what did you see on Saturday that's going to influence the way that you feel about going into this App State game on, on this coming Saturday? I mean, you know, the elephant in the room is the, the, the quad brown of it all. Because having said that, having said Dan's loss didn't necessarily cause the loss in Monroe. I mean, that doesn't mean that him being gone doesn't affect you in coming games. And especially this one when App State was going to be a tough out for Georgia State, whether Dan was healthy or not. Dan was going to help with that, but App State is a good team. They beat two power conference teams on the road kind of rolled through most of their schedule. They got caught in a rainy, snowy, whatever game in Boone against Georgia Southern, but they're still the class of the conference. Fun fact, this will be the first ranked opponent ever to visit Georgia State Stadium, so that's fun. It's fun because me and Jordan talked about this in you know our breakaway pod. <laughs> um, Skeleton crew. We felt bad losing the chance for that to happen because app had gone and lost to Southern. So the fact that they beat South Carolina were able to work back in. And so it's still a ranked team coming in and good for app, good for the Sunbelt. And also if you can come away with a win, them slipping up didn't affect that. So you still have that ranked team coming in. They could have been instead of a uh, 25th in the college football playoff poll and 24 in the coaches poll, it could have been like a nah, 17, 18 of the AP poll, but I'll take it. Yeah, let me tell you, I'm not too picky about ranked wins. Especially hey, hold on, hold on. We still have a football game to play. Right. I'm just saying, you know, in the theory, like I'm not going to be like like that, you know, that meme of the guy put, saying no to the orange juice. Like I still would accept that win if I'm Georgia State. <laughs> I used the comparison to say ULM's offense was similar to Georgia State's in some ways. And I think I kind of did it a week early because there were some similarities, but perhaps not by accident because of Coach Elliott's ties to App State. Um, these two offenses are built very similarly. If you're just going off of just like the archetype of who they have, App State's got their Zach Thomas, their quarterback, who kind of does both, not nearly as the runner Dan was, and we assume Quad will be called on to be. Um, you obviously can't really compare Zach Thomas and Quad Brown because – quads not the starter and so it's just going to be a whole different way of grading how he does um they've got the one top back they've got darrington evans georgia state has trey barnett and both injury uh barring are going to be thousand yard rushers for their teams this year and then they both kind of got a couple of top targets as receivers uh one of them more possession guy another big play guy and i guess it, like i say it's not really a surprise because i think that Coach Elliott followed the model that Coach Satterfield built this roster with, and it's still largely Coach Satterfield's recruits that App State's new head coach, Coach Drinkwitz, is playing with. But 
App State's got a really good offense. I mean, they've got a good defense too, but I'm definitely impressed by the weapons they have on offense. Yeah, this is definitely going to be a test for Georgia State's defense. Um, I mean, yeah. as you said before, there's no there's no sugarcoating it with Dan. This was going to be a hard game. Um, it's still a winnable game. It definitely is. Um, but when you have a team that's just been the class that does basically exactly what you do to other teams and what you've done successfully, um, I think you saw a really good blueprint of how to beat them when they lost to Georgia Southern. Uh, one thing that teams don't do really well is get, they don't develop a really good pass rush and they're not disruptive up that front. Um, and I mean, at the end of the game, App State, Definitely came back and started, you know, shaking off the rust against Southern. I mean, they outgained them by 70. Um, you know, they had eight more first downs than Southern, and Southern didn't get any turnovers. But at the same time, though, if you really watched that game, you saw a Georgia Southern front uh, really kind of disrupt what App State likes to do. Um and for the majority of the game, they kind of had their way with the App State offensive line. You're going to need the Georgia State defensive line to do that and bring all of the pressure that they can in order for them to be successful on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, it's going to come down to the defense. Uh, if the defense, and this is a big ask because App State's a good offense. If the defense can't hold App State under 30 points with whatever question marks that exists about the offense under Quad Brown, that's... I don't see a world where App State stores 30 and it doesn't go well for them. Uh, I It just, it's dumb to put a number on it, uh, but that just feels like the, the the cap that I would go with. And Georgia State's averaging giving up 36 points a game. So that's not f- great foreshadowing <laughs> with me saying that, but that's just how I feel. I think that unless you can stop App from scoring, their defense is good. So you can't bank on putting up 30 even with Dan, but especially without him. So just a long-winded way of saying, hold them under 30, cut down on the big plays, make them drive, make them limit possessions. I think this game goes in Georgia State's favor if it's a game like the Army game where there aren't that many possessions and where App State is driving for long periods and you you want to get stops, you want to not let them get points on the board, but if you're stopping them after a long drive to a field goal, or even if they get the end zone, but it takes them seven minutes and they're not busting off big plays, I think that that's the recipe for success. I think you're going to kind of try and ball control this game. I think another big part of the recipe for success, as you phrased it, would be for Georgia State when they have the ball to really... I mean, like, obviously, we're going to lean heavy on the run, especially with Dan out, but really lean into controlling the clock and trying to extend possessions. And Georgia State's been really good at that this year because of our success in the running game. So giving App State less possessions and less chances to put points up on a defense that arguably, I mean, like, they're going to put they're going to put points up on our defense. That's not going to be like the question. It's about limiting their chances to abuse the advantage they have on their offense over our defense and try and give Florida state the option of trolling the clock and kind of dictating the pace of the game. Yeah. Georgia state's top five in the country in third down conversions. I have to look it up, but app states at giving up 29% as a team, as the defense of allowing third down conversions, which I would have to imagine is very high up there. That's a great number. 
So I think that as far as Georgia State's offense goes, that number is going to tell a lot of the tale. If Georgia State's getting into short short yardage situations on third down and converting like they have done, staying on the field, that's going to be a big thing. If App is doing what they've done and getting off the field on third down at prolific levels, then it's going to be a long day for Georgia State. So I just looked up some of the numbers um, and how they rank nationally here uh, for App State. So they rank 63rd in the nation in total offense. Um, looking at total defense, they rank 27th in the nation, only allowing 331.4 yards per game. They do rank number one in the country in fourth down conversion. Uh, and they are, or sorry, they convert on 88% of their fourth downs, which is good. I Lord. would be interested to see the sample size there, but that's an insane number. And um, I, I just did a cut in. They're number eight in third down conversions allowed the opponent third yep, down was, version to 29.4 that's certainly good um not gonna sugarcoat it, that so just but, the, the, this, this game is gonna be one i think on third down on yeah, both sides of the ball georgia state equally is also just as prolific on offense of staying on the field converting on third down uh don't ask about the inverse <laughs> but i will say in the games that georgia state has had success in in this winning streak the third down conversion rate for the opponent has been better. It's kind of gone hand in hand with how the games have gone. Uh, during the win streak, they were better at stopping teams on third down. Some of the losses, like this last game against ULM, they weren't. So the defense is going to have to tap into something that wasn't there last game. And if the fundamentals aren't there with the missed tackling, I mean, App's just going to kill you on offense. So uh, I guess I would open up to the question of, I've got some answers here. I want to spread it out and see if anyone else has got something what do you do on offense with the passing game? How do you tackle getting quad Brown comfortable passing the ball? Because all of that is true about getting the running game going and the running game is going to have to be successful if you want to win against App State. But my feeling is that they're going to be stacking the box early and often against the run because they're a good rushing defense team and they know that that's what Georgia State's going to want to do. So they're going to be prepared for Let's make this freshman quarterback throw it. So what do you guys think of what you would do if it was your offense to run to get quad comfortable passing? I know this really hasn't been our MO really this year, especially considering how successful Georgia State has been running the ball. But I'd like to see them maybe get involved, uh, involving our running backs in getting some passes caught out of the backfield. Um, Seth Page and Dustin Coates have specifically been really good at just kind of making guys miss in open space. Not saying that Trey isn't that guy, but he's a little bit more of kind of just like a, a, a head down kind of uh, like vertical runner, if you will. So I'd be interested to see if we could get the ball out of quads hands early and whether that to be some like running back screens or some like quick slants, but just something to get his confidence up and kind of that offensive motor churning. And then obviously we're again, we're going to be leaning heavily on the run, but passing enough to keep app honest, I think. Um, and again, this is going to go back to the offensive play calling. And ultimately it's, it's been good this year. Like this is, it's been the strength of this team that we've been relying on this, this season. So I I'm interested to see where the people that are actually getting paid uh, to 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 put this offense together where they're going to go with it. But I think 
passing uh, passing to running backs out of the backfield could be a way to kind of get quads confidence going early to open up a little bit more of that playbook for him. Yeah, no, I'm I think that's a good start. Um, obviously, you want to keep your freshman standing straight up and, you know, get keep your protections as simple as possible. Um I'm not saying I want to see an air raid on Saturday, but I think that's got to be the answer. I think you have to keep abs. I I don't want to say that, you know, every single pass needs to be of 20 yards or more in the air. But I think if you're going to keep App state as honest as possible and prevent them from stacking the box. Yeah, absolutely. Go for those, you know, high percentage throws early, you know, nothing to the opposite hash mark or anything like that. But at some point you're going to have to open up some sort of playbook and, you know, let this pro style quarterback, you know, be in a pro style offense. And it, it sucks because, you don't want to take anything away from uh, what the offensive identity for Georgia State is. I think, as we've discussed, App State's going to want to stack the box. But, you know, maybe this is one of those times where we see the offense kind of change on the fly and, you know, evolve as the game situation dictates. Yeah, I agree with what you guys said. Uh, I've got one conventional point, which kind of mirrors what David's going to say, which is that Quad's got a cannon. That's the one thing we do know. We don't know a lot about Quad Brown, the college quarterback, but it's not honed in yet. It's not locked in on every throw, but he can throw a deep. He's got a deep ball. He can throw a far. And so especially if they are stacking the box, I think you've definitely got to take advantage of some one-on-one situations and trust your receivers to get open and just let them go. You know, I think that that's, you're going to have to get him more fundamentally sound on some of the the timing routes and the stuff like that. But I think that where he seems most comfortable right now is airing it out. So I agree. Uh, I've got another less conventional point, but uh, this is just what I was thinking about. The one thing that stood out, the one play is the fourth down play. That was, I guess, an option route. It seemed like between uh, quad and Sam Pickney and they weren't on the same page. Uh, Pinkney stopped it about the sticks and quad threw it downfield. Uh, and I think that the the takeaway there is just chemistry and not really having that with the first team guys. So my unconventional thought, get some of the second team guys quad's been throwing to all year in some four plays. See if maybe one of the freshmen, Jamari Thrash, Kadarius Thompson, if there's a comfort level there, see if you can work them into the slot a play and see if they've got something where because they've played together a lot more to see if there's something there. That's what I got. There's definitely also something to be said that he's going to have an entire week's worth of practice, especially with the first team getting those first team reps. That's huge. Getting thrown into a game at halftime that you absolutely had no expectation of playing in is a completely different beast than preparing an entire week for an opponent who you know who's going to be, you know? And like you, uh, Brad Glenn's done a great job this year. Uh, He's had a senior quarterback to lean on, but it hasn't just been about Dan's performance. I think that he has an idea of what he wants to do on offense. And I think he has an idea of what quad can do or what quad can do better than what he can't do so good. So I think that a week of them preparing the game around him rather than, you know, cobbling together whatever plays in the playbook there that Dan was going to run that what can what do you have to get rid of? Because we aren't sure if he can run this, you know, and I think it's going to be a little bit also on Glenn a little more because as has been referred to a couple of times in some post games by Dan, Dan has a lot of autonomy at the line to switch out of looks. And I just don't know that we can trust that the freshman in his first start is going to totally be making the reads at the line like Dan was, which 
If you watch a lot, Dan's checking into a lot of looks. I guess I, I just would see that being the one place where Dan's experience is just going to be at a just a different level than what Quad's at right now. So it's going to be on the play calling because we don't know what level of freedom Quad's going to have or what level of freedom he's going to take to check out of plays. I want him to line up under center first play and check out of it just because you said that. (laughs) I will welcome it. I will gladly tweet about it and be like, look, I was wrong. (laughs) No, but I I mean, you're right. Uh, Just kind of one final point. I think they'll they'll probably just simplify the playbook for him. Hopefully, Um, you know, early on, I should say they'll keep it simple very early on because quads greatest hits. Right. And, and that's that's probably going to be on one of those black boards that they have on the sidelines that we can't actually see. And I would just make one final point that the overarching thing has been this is not a likely victory for Georgia State. The line started at minus 13 in Apps direction and has only grown, which is to be expected because Georgia State was out there starting quarterback. The last time we recorded a podcast where this was kind of the expectation level of how the game was going to go, it was Tennessee. Point is, college football is college football. Go play for 60 minutes, see what happens. So as we kind of are winding down the season and, you know, scoreboard watching is only so helpful, um, a game that we probably should kind of keep some sort of tabs on is Georgia Southern is playing ULM on Saturday which will definitely be important as it relates to the Sunbelt East picture. That game is in Statesboro. I mean, we'll see. Well, the the final of that game will probably come down before kickoff. Yeah, it's, the, at, it's at three. So if it doesn't, you know, right. it's another five overtime game. <laughs> I'll say yeah. this. I said this last week, and it turned out true that Troy seemed like a dangerous game for Southern. I didn't necessarily think they were going to win by three touchdowns. That was surprising. Or has a good offense. That ULM team, at least the offense that played Georgia State last week, that's going to be a problem for Georgia Southern. And if their offense isn't able to match them, we'll see. Uh, The caveat there is that ULM's offense from last week might not make the trip. I mean, it might be a different, you know, every week's different. But currently, Georgia State and Georgia Southern are tied at two losses in the Sunbelt East and app is on one loss. So pretty much a loss the rest of the way for either of the Georgia teams, all but eliminates them from winning the East because it's unlikely that app would lose their last two games. And even if they did, if it was Georgia state, they'd have the tiebreaker. So pretty much every game, the rest of the way is an elimination game for the Georgia schools. So it's one to watch for sure. Hey, so are you saying that Georgia State controls their own destiny? We're going to talk about that later. Before we dig into that, though, we did have some Panther basketball action this week. Uh, tough loss against College of Charleston, um, but there were encouraging signs. Justin Roberts played very, very well, and he's definitely impressed me through the first couple of games of this season. Um, Josh Linder also had a pretty good game. I'm going to pull up the stats here. Uh, if someone else wants to take that, well, I'll pull these up. So Charleston is a really good team, and I don't think that this is a bad loss for Georgia State, albeit it still can be a frustrating one. Um, you know, obviously you want to win every game. Who wants to? But you're right. There were some good signs. Um, 
Josh Linder had a good game. Justin Roberts had a good game. I think it was nice to see that the team kind of overcame a rough game from Kane Williams. You know, you see that he scored 13 points, but if you, it seemed like he struggled to get those 13 points mm-hmm. and the it's from the reports that I saw, it seemed like the offensive tempo just kind of wasn't there um, because he was, I don't want to say shooting too much or, you know, not as efficient, but it ju- it could just tell that Kane was off. <laughs> Damon Wilson was off a little bit and even fouled out. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was nice to see that Georgia state put themselves in a position to win the game, despite, you know, their two best players not having a great night. That's not nothing. That's definitely a building block because uh, that's going to happen. You're going to have off nights from your best players. You need other guys to step up. Uh, at some point in the you know non-conference schedule, I was going to bring up the talking point of like, how long do we need to wait on Justin Roberts and Corey Allen to how much is enough time for them to you know shake off the cobwebs, as it were, after sitting for a year? And I don't know that we have to talk about that because Justin Roberts, seven of nine, for 22 points, led the team in points, has looked good on defense every game, but this is the first real offensive game that he really shown. And then Corey Allen would three of five from three, which is his calling card as we have been led to believe. Uh, So it seems like it's just one game. You got to kind of put some consistency together, but another good takeaway for me is that it seems like that they are starting to find their offensive feet. That's always hard to do. I will say the first number that jumps out at me, just kind of looking at the box score here, 19 turnovers from the Panthers is certainly not something that I would like to see replicated throughout the season. Yeah, it's it. There were some rough moments and it's still sometimes it feels like guys are maybe going a little faster than their bodies. You know, their their minds working faster than their limbs, you know, however you want to say it. Probably not that way. Um, but that's definitely something that Coach Linear has alluded to this year. Obviously, the exhibition game is a little bit of a like he, he even himself compared it to fool's gold for different reasons that I'm about to. But I don't want to put too much stock in that. But he did say he, that Georgia State was trying to do too much in the way of playing too fast and getting out of control and just doing things to show that they were better than point. And I don't think that was the case here with Charleston, but I do think that the pace of play is going to have to slow down a little bit for the Panthers and be more methodical and intentional with what they're doing. And I think that that will take care of the turnover problem that we've had a little bit early in the season, specifically in this game though. One note that I do want to point out though, is that 40 to 28 is the margin of rebounding Georgia state with 40, uh, after years of Coach Hunter saying that the rebound is the most overrated stat in all of college basketball, it is kind of nice to have big guys, especially Josh Linder, who's a veteran of the program, come out with 19 points and 12 rebounds himself. So, I mean, it was good to see him get involved and especially Georgia State kind of crash into glass and um, and be able to pull down offensive and defensive rebounds. It's a little bit of a, a change of pace for what we've seen from this team in the past. Yeah, Josh Linder, if even if we aren't getting a double-double every game, if the effort that was out there on last Saturday and just the want to, the the energy coming off the bench is there, then that's a factor that we hadn't really considered going into the year. Uh, I don't think any of us had totally written him off, and I think at least a couple of us had him starting when we were asked about our projected five starters, but I still don't know if we 
had seen anything to say like this guy is definitely going to be a contributor this season. And we we saw it this game. He's definitely a contributor this season. You don't accident your way into a double-double. And it's really helpful to see because we see a lot of positives in the two freshman bigs, Joe Jones the third and Jalen Thomas. But if they're not the only guys, if they're not if there's games where there is a guy like Linder who is taking a big role in the front court that takes a load off of them having to do that as freshmen and lets them settle in a little bit more. Uh, really nice to see. And yeah, it would have been nice to win the game, uh, especially because you were leading late in the game. But the other part of it that was encouraging and that you can take away is that for the first like 30 minutes of the game action, Charleston led pretty you know, it was bouncing back and forth. Georgia State was cutting into the lead, but it was kind of Charleston's game for the first three-fourths of the game, and Georgia State worked back in it and took the lead. And so seeing that fight back even in a loss, uh, it's something to learn. And the Charleston team that's probably going to be in at least the semifinals of their conference tournament, I would be surprised if they're not a 20-win team. So this is not the game to hit the panic about. This is a fine loss it might mean that you're not an at-large team but well you probably weren't going to be an at-large team anyway all right so moving past that looking ahead georgia state's got quite the slate of away games this weekend visiting duke on friday and visiting georgetown on sunday that's certainly a weekend for your panthers well it's a good thing they're gonna sleep both of them so there it is all right, David. Everybody, see you next March. week. How are you calling your shot? <laughs> Whatever the line was. <laughs> I can't believe you're calling your shot in March. <laughs> it's September, and that actually happened. Ask Evansville how they felt about going into uh, play Kentucky earlier this week. Hey, I mean, you play the games for a reason, so um, I, I don't know do about you. I play to win, right? I do think I will probably watch that. Uh, Georgetown game a little bit more closely than the Duke game um, simply because you know as much as that's a blue blood program Georgetown is still you know kind of more on par with where I think Georgia State's going to end up in the future Um, you know at the end of the day that's still a are they Big East? Yeah, they're back in the Big East. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) At the end of the day, Georgetown is still a Big East team. And I mean, that's a great conference, obviously. I believe they get a billion at-large bids, So, but it's still a mid-major conference, despite what... Mm. It's not a mid-major conference. It definitely The the Big East is a high major, David. Uh, Yeah. Especially after they split. Say it again? Villanova won the national championship. They're still... uh, the Big East is a high major. Moving on. I don't know that I can say that, but that's fine. Um, I still think it's going to be a good game for to watch what the ceiling potentially for Georgia State could be, is how I will say that. I'll say in a different way. I think that if you're looking at these games as, you know, wins or not, Georgetown's definitely a much higher probability. I don't know what that probability is anywhere near halfway. You know, it's still going to be... A, a, a slog to get that win, but I think you're right to write off Duke's a top five team for a reason. Um, they return a fair amount of guys. Obviously none of them are named Zion, RJ or cam, but Duke's Duke. It's a tough place to play, but I think that it's two separate good opportunities. One in a, you know, hollowed college basketball ground and 
you know, whatever the result is of Georgetown, I don't know how much of this stuff matters in the long run, but it's an NBA arena. And this year for the first year, the Sunbelt tournament is in Smoothie King Center in New Orleans, an NBA arena. So even just getting shots up in that type of environment, I think that that's at least something that, you know, win or lose, that's interesting. That's something that maybe helps you out. And I would also just say that in the eventuality that it is a one in three Georgia State team coming out of these two tough games, just like Charleston isn't a panic button loss. Being one in three at this point of the year was probably going to be a high probability. Whether or not Rob Lanier's the coach, Ron Hunter's the coach, Bob Knight's the coach, you know, it was a roster in transition. And so this out of conference slate was always going to be about growing and getting better and finding who you are as a team. And so do that in this game. Uh, Georgia State's been a good rebounding team. Go out, rebound one of these power teams just to be like, this is who we're going to be. Watch out for us. Even if it doesn't mean anything in the score at the end of the game. That's a point of emphasis for Coach Lanier and his staff. And so I think that if anything, they want to go in there and fight on the boards and in that way say, this is who we are going to be. I think that this weekend is going to show you a lot of who this Georgia State team can be, whether that be in a win or a loss. It's ultimately... I'm not super concerned about the results. I just want to see how the team responds to the challenge of going to play, you know, two college basketball royalty programs. I mean, Duke is the standard for what all college basketball programs aspire to be. Georgetown is a blue blood. They've been there before. They're, you know, in a bit of a down period in their kind of timeline, their history right now, but they're still a great team. And they have Patrick Ewing at the at the helm. And, you know, that's that's not nothing. So, I mean, it, it's it's going to come down to are they prepared to play? How are they going to approach these games from a mental aspect? And then it's just out there and executing the game plan. So I'm excited. Win or lose, I'm excited to watch this Panther basketball team go on the road and play two really, really tough opponents this weekend. Hey, for what it's worth, uh, Arkansas Little Rock took uh, Georgetown to double overtime last year. So, you know. So before we head out this week, uh, we wanted to open up for listener questions. And as always, our friend Brad on Twitter at Extra Brad wants to know something. He says, after the unfortunate events that have transpired in days past, what do you think a potential path to a Sunbelt championship looks like at this point in time? Well, I mean, it's pretty simple, Brad. Uh, You know, it starts this Saturday. You got to go beat App State. So you got the tiebreaker, Um, you know take care of business and stay incredibly healthy against South Alabama next week and then go beat your rival on rivalry weekend and then you go play in the game. So despite what some people have said, it's not over just because Dan Ellington is going to be out for ostensibly at least the next two weeks. Georgia State still controls their destiny with wins. Quad Brown is not a scrub. He's a he's a tall. He's good quarterback with a cannon, like we've said earlier. Like he's not he's not just going to lay down on the field and let people run all over him. Well, that'd be really bad football strategy if he did that. (laughs) Right. But seeing some of the stuff that's been posted online this week would uh, make you think that's what people believe. We just want to clarify that's not how that works. Ultimately, Um, everything that Georgia State wants is still in front of them. You go out and you beat up state and then you beat a ostensibly bad South Alabama team and you go beat your rival in their house. I mean, the the blueprint is there. It's it's not easy. And the lost ULM on the road takes away any wiggle room you had. But it's not like Georgia State has been eliminated from 
contention in the East. And also, I'd like to remind everyone the expectations coming into this year that Georgia State was picked to finish dead last. So <laughs> I'm not trying to temper any expectations we have for the end of the season, but there is a certain element to Georgia State's year this season that we're kind of playing with house money, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not trying to set us up for softening any losses from here on out. I'm just trying to say that this team has wildly outperformed expectations and we're still in a position to go out and win the Sun Belt. It's still no, like it's in November. Like we're still in, we're still talking about it as if it's a real possibility. So just remember that before we to, like hit the panic button and Georgia State it should cancel the football program because Dan Ellington got hurt. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a UAB. Come on. Oh, <laughs> I would also just I don't have any the, the, you guys covered the question itself. Uh, continue on more of what Taylor was saying. The next win is the program high for regular season wins and ties the all time season record for wins in the program. At this point, even if more success comes without the Sunbelt East title, Two more wins. You have the on your own best season in program history by win loss. So when you have this big goal in front of you, it still would be a failure big picture to say you didn't win the Sunbelt East because that's the goal every year. But it's a nice place to be as a consolation. You're going to go to a bowl game and you might be a program setting season. We're quick to forget or maybe we're not, but a lot of people have been quick to forget so far that this team qualified for a bowl in October. A Georgia State team qualified for a bowl in October. That's never happened before. Just appreciate it. Because now that you've gone to a bowl two years out of three, it starts to be the expectations change, and that's good. Expectations should change. You should expect the Sunbelt Championship every year if you aspire to be the program you want to be. But you can still appreciate the wins that are there. I feel like I'm that Arkansas coach who's yelling at people to smile in the postgame conference. Uh, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to say that you can't have the expectations. But smile. Smile. I'm a grown know? man. I'm 40. Do you, <laughs> do you guys know what I'm talking about? You should I do. No, I don't. I'll send you the link. It's really right. uncomfortable. I, I do know the I'm a grown man. I'm 40. Yeah, I was referencing. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's legendary at this point. So, like we said, everything's still in front of Georgia State for the season that they want to do. It all starts with a win on Saturday. So hopefully they're prepared and we'll, the next time you hear from us, we'll be celebrating a win over Georgia State's first ranked win in program history against App State. So for all of us here at the Thursday Night Podcast, thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next week. Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.